All right, welcome to the show, everybody. Hope you're having a good day. We have a lot of news to go through. It's October the 7th. And I was going to do a show last night to cover the news, but ended up just uh, pushing it off till this morning. So we have extra. So uh, I want to start us off with this clip from Ron Paul, which I think is interesting because it had that guy, Chris Wallace, the debater from the, uh, or excuse me, <laughs> a lot of people were saying he he helped himself into the debate, but he was the uh, moderator for the first presidential debate. And I found, I actually was editing together this um, compilation of the best or my favorite Ron Paul clips I could find um, right before the election. I didn't even notice that this was the same guy. Just listen to what Chris Wallace does here. They don't want our troops on the Arabian Peninsula. We have no need for our national security to have troops on the Arabian Peninsula. And going into Iraq and Afghanistan and threatening Iran is the worst thing we can do for our national security. I am less safe. The American people are less safe for this. It's the policy that is wrong. Tactical movements and shifting troops around and taking in 30 more and reducing by five, totally irrelevant. We need a new foreign policy that said we ought to mind our own business, bring our troops home, defend this country, defend our borders. So, so, so if... So, Congressman Paul, and I'd like you to take 30 seconds to answer this, you're basically saying that we should take our marching orders from al-Qaeda. If they want us off the Arabian Peninsula, we should leave? No! I'm saying, I'm saying we should take our marching orders from our Constitution. We should not go to war. We should not go to war without a declaration. We should not go to war when it's an aggressive war. This is an aggressive invasion. We've committed the invasion of this war, and it's illegal under international law. That's where I take my marching Chris, orders, Chris, not from any enemy. Over this he actually asked Ron Paul, so we should take our marching orders from al-Qaeda? It's ridiculous. And, yeah, that's a thought. Why don't we... Uh, what, can we use social distancing as a reason to stop all these needless, endless wars? I mean, it's ridiculous. Speaking of ridiculous, look uh, what's breaking. This is a story that popped up. I wasn't even going to have it in the lineup, but it's breaking as of an hour ago, so um, we added it in. The Nobel Prize in Chemistry awarded for developing new method of genome editing. So uh, two scientists, a, a microbiologist named Charpentier and a biochemist named uh, Dunda from France and USA, respectfully, respectively, not respectfully. Um, <laughs> so a couple things here. You know how we have the head of the NIH right now is Francis Collins. He is Fauci's boss. He was part of the Human Genome Project. And uh, he's a geneticist himself. So we're really seeing this rise to prominence of this industry, this uh, field of, of study, genetics. And it's, it's kind of an offshoot in a lot of ways of, well, I don't want to misspeak. It's not really an offshoot of, but a lot of the people that were in eugenics went into genetics after the Nazis tainted that. Once the world had to to, um, to disavow 
what the Nazis were doing as far as experimentation and uh, eugenics, even though they got their ideas from California and in the United States. So a lot of these, these racist ideas live on and a lot of people think, and they, they think it's good. They rationalize it because it's just another way of looking at things. I mean, I think it's evil, but they look at it like, okay, we're going to stop suffering. We're going to achieve more as humanity, you know, blah, blah, blah. Deep down, they must know, probably consciously, they're aware of how selfish they're being. Because all the time when we have these geneticists or these uh, eugenic, eugenicists, I should say, they always decide or they usually decide, oh, look, we're the perfect ones and everybody else are the brutes, right? Everyone else need to be taken out. And we need to be rewarded and encouraged to have children. So total hypocrisy. But look at this. This takes it to the next level, right? CRISPR. I just want to read here from the little blurb. The, the Royal Swedish Academy of Sciences said in a statement, quote, this technology has a revolutionary impact on the life sciences, is contributing to new cancer therapies, and may make the dream of curing Inherited diseases come true. May make the dream of curing inherited diseases come true. So how would that work? I mean, one way you could think of it, one way it might work is if they either altered the DNA of the parent or the, the child. You know, they talk about these designer babies. Um, this whole thing is very, very concerning to me. I think it's a bridge too far. I think there's no way back. It's it's like, well, I don't know. I don't know. I was going to say it's like machine learning. It's it's really unfair because the, it's kind of like every technology, right? Even computers. Um, the, the super powerful that own all the resources that control the, the money printing have rigged all the contracts around the world. Um, all the all the law books, all the law books and um, tax law included. Um, those people have a huge disproportionate access to the technologies and can apply it on a massive scale. Where we we can tinker around with it individually. Some people might be able to put together some better, some cool stuff, um, but it's scary to think about what these people could do with this type of technology. Like, could they develop viruses that attack based on uh, genetics? Could they release viruses or some some other way of uh, inflicting this CRISPR technology or some, some second cousin of it or something uh, on an unwilling subject? This is the type of thing that I have to wonder about. And yeah, because if they sell it to us one way, if they say on the surface... Oh, CRISPR is great. It's going to cure cancer and cure inherited diseases. What is it really about? Because if there's a financial drive to do something or a power drive to do something, um, it'll get done more often than not. Which is why we saw the, the slot machine come into existence and dominate society before we saw B.F. Skinner come with the public science that described why it happens and shows that it could happen on, on other animals. All right, moving on. But I just, 
I don't like CRISPR. Donald J. Trump is exciting a lot of people with this tweet here. Although I, I'll see it when I believe. I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> um, I should say. Uh, he says, quote, I have fully authorized the total declassification of any and all documents pertaining to the single greatest uh, political crime in American history, the Russian hoax. So he says he's authorizing, quote unquote, the total declassification of documents pertaining to the Russia hoax, which he calls the single greatest political crime in American history. Um, likewise, the, e the Hillary Clinton email scandal. And then this is pretty big if you know anything about government leaks or declassifications. He, he asks for no redactions. Now, everyone thinks that means we're going to get all of the files out tomorrow. Um, I don't know if that's the case. I don't know the process by which this happens. Um, I hope so. I think we should we should have a government that's transparent. That's the way it should should work. That That's how you gain trust. They just pretend like it's transparent to get the perks. Meanwhile, they hide all of their mind control research and all their data and all their, their documents and records uh, to the, and keep it to, the, to themselves. So I don't think this means that it's going to come out anytime soon. It might. You know what it reminded me of, though? And I'm glad it did because I've been tracking this story. Um, all the similarities between, uh, if I could find it, all the similarities between JFK and Trump. And while I pull this up, there are a, a number. Um, he he uh, has riots going on under him. He has ambitious space aspirations. He, um, what's another one? Oh, has a huge civil rights movement going on while he's president. But I'm trying to find... I'll just pull it up. So th what I'm trying to say, J Trump was going to release all the JFK files. Remember that? Whatever happened to that? Uh, Trump boasted he'd open all JFK files. But now says he can't. So what's up with that? Trump holds some JFK assassination files back, sets new three-year deadline. So just, just wanted to add that to the list. And I do have a video out there that you can get by signing up to uh, Patreon from a couple weeks ago where I make a full video about some of the weird peculiarities and connections between Trump and JFK. So I'm trying to make the case in case something does happen to Trump, if he gets assassinated, um, there's a lot of a lot of things that we need to be looking at in in hindsight. Okay, so switching over to the Democratic Party here, Kamala Harris is saying masks save lives. So I, I brought this up the other day. I, I bring it up a lot. This argument from saving lives is like the collectivists' best friend. You know, basically. <laughs> Every, every heinous act they're going to sell to the people or sell to whoever has to do it or, or buy it or push it, uh, that it, it saves lives. So they, make, they give some messages to the police and tell them, oh, these guys are terrorists. They're trying to destroy our way of life. 
so on and so forth. And they, uh, they'll give some messages to the general public. And, and why would they give one message to the police and one to the general public? Well, because they show people what they're supposed to see. And they give people the messaging to condition them as they want them to be conditioned. And they're different roles that they want everyone to play in society. So why do they have to sell it to the people that masks are good? And that if people don't wear the masks, they're uh, being reckless, dangerous, and harmful? Well, because they need self-policing on the street level. They need people to um, chew out anyone they see without a mask in the supermarket. And that actually is probably more effective. Well, I don't know if it's more effective. It's more feasible to do it, though. And kind of it's, it's effective if people know that anybody that they pass, not just the cops, might <laughs> might arrest them and and hassle them uh, and, and snitch on them to the authorities who actually would follow along with the enforcement as well. It definitely allows them to do it with much fewer uh, law enforcers. So they're just pushing this notion that masks, masks are good, masks save lives, and saving lives is the most important thing, and nobody's allowed to do anything once the Democrats decide that that doesn't save lives and the alternative does. That's that's what they're teaching people. And here's the next uh, the next tweet from Joe Biden. He says, "Listen to the scientists. Listen to the scientists. That's all he says." Well, yeah, I think we should listen to scientists, sure. But somehow, knowing what I know about Joe, <laughs> um, he means obey authority, obey science, obey authority. So that's, I'm putting on my they live glasses here. Listen to the scientists. And we, we, have to, we have to address the fact that science has turned into the new priest class. It's the new one world religion by which they can control the entire world by putting something out by the health agencies and then having the tech companies do the cleanup for anybody who goes against it. They could, they could say the sky is red and delete everything off the site. Everything off YouTube, everything off Facebook that says it's blue. What would we, what, what if the World Health Organization, no, they'd probably have like NASA come out and say the sky's red or something. You know, it, it's crazy. But I, I want to read this quote. I've read it before from um, Albert Camus, The Stranger. I read this for the first time for a high school senior project, which I failed, which I think is really funny because uh, I actually liked the two books that I had to read. I also read The Trial by. Kafka, <laughs> but um, I really like this part in the book when the chaplain, the prison chaplain comes up to the, the main character who's going to get executed soon and tries to convince him uh, to believe in God, essentially. But I, now I read this in, in terms of just any of these institutional agents coming and trying to, to convert me. <laughs> so, uh, He tried to, to change the subject by asking me why I was calling him Monsieur and not Father. That got me mad, and I told him he wasn't my father. He wasn't even on my side. Yes, my son, he said, putting his hand on my shoulder. I am on your side, but you have no way of knowing it because your heart is blind. I shall pray for you. Then I don't know why, but something inside me snapped. I started yelling at the top of my lungs, and I insulted him and told him not to waste his prayers on me. I grabbed him by the collar of his cassock. I was pouring out on him everything that was in my heart, cries of anger and cries of joy. He seemed so certain about everything, 
didn't he? And yet none of his certainties were worth one hair of a woman's head. He wasn't even sure he was alive because he was living like a dead man. So I, I think that's great because they, they act like these scientists know everything. Joe Biden here, listen to the scientists. Well, which scientists and why are they all knowing? Because I hate to break it to everyone, but scientists are a bunch of dudes who don't know anything either. They might know a little bit more than some people in, in certain areas. I'm sure they do. But they don't know anything either. We all know nothing. And I hate hearing somebody who claims to be intelligent, somebody who claims um, that they know everything. Because I, I think it was like uh, Socrates or someone who says the, the more you know, the less you know, or the more you realize that you don't know much. And I think... I think it's clear that none of us know much of anything. So they come and they just hide behind this label of science, scientists, because it allows them to say whatever absurdity they want, and everybody just goes along with it. Everybody has been conditioned, or maybe it's innate in us, to obey authority, to obey the power structure as it's presented to us, to accept the reality with which we're presented. All right, let's move on. Um, Back to the people who are wondering if uh, Trump is playing the role of the Antichrist. Um, I thought this was an interesting clip that came across my radar. Someone was actually pumped about this uh, clip. And I don't disagree necessarily with what he's saying here. Um, and that might be taken as as bad. But um, it's kind of like the opposite of what J Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount. I believe strongly in getting if somebody has hurt you, if somebody's gone out of their way to hurt you, I think that if you have the opportunity, you should certainly go out of your way to do a number on them. I just believe it. I believe in an eye for an eye. I just don't believe instinctively in turning the other cheek. If somebody was out to hurt you, if somebody was out to do a number on you, I really believe that you should just do a number on them if you get the chance. So it's not like the, the worst clip in the world, world to come out. I think that a lot of people agree with that, myself probably included. Um, what does this all mean? Is, is that a divine, is that a more divine thing to, to do what Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount? Do the last become first? Do the meek inherit the world? I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's something divine about, you know, if someone steals your, your shirt, give them your coat too. And if they force you to walk a mile, go the extra mile. All of these, uh, these quotes we've heard before. Or is that just a state conditioning, early government propaganda? That's what I ask. <laughs> All right. So next up, we have um, part two of Project Veritas on their video or on their uh, investigation into Mark Kelly's possible gun grab. And uh, this is very interesting. This is a person for every town for gun safety which is a Bloomberg-related operation, or I should say Bloomberg-funded. And he's caught on camera here saying some, some pretty crazy things. Uh, let's go through this at one and a half speed. This is on the YouTube channel that I highly recommend. If you're not subscribed to this already, you're missing out. Uh, Project Veritas Action. So it's not their normal Project Veritas channel, which is also excellent. But um, it's their other channel called Project Veritas Action. And they're also, a, um, as far as I can tell, a nonprofit 
tax deductible uh, charity. Uh, d- double check that though. I don't. I want to make any legal claims. Okay, let's let's play this. <laughs> and I work in politics. I'm used to people being And then a little further to the left, he's probably in favor of a general assault weapons ban. And what that would mean is no more manufacturing assault weapons for general consumer consumption. In but, Arizona? Yeah, in any state in the United States. Things like an assault weapons ban, which would be lovely. <laughs> Does Mark Kelly support oh, yeah, that? Yeah, absolutely. Fine. We gotta be their propagandists. That's the problem. How do we do that? I'm I'm James O'Keefe back in Arizona. Alan Badurka works for Every Town for Gun Safety, one of the richest gun control groups in the country. Alan explains the great lengths to which Mark Kelly deceives the voters about his positions on guns. So so does he just act like he's not in favor of them? He just doesn't make it a main focal point of his campaign. Whereas if he's, you know, open about his opinions, but doesn't focus specifically on the ones that are less likely to change people's minds, there's a higher probability of him being able to enact the kind of legislation you're hoping to see get enacted, you know. Things like an assault weapons ban, which would be freaking lovely. <laughs> Man, what a crazy laugh. An assault weapons ban, and he just laughs like the Joker himself. Mark Kelly supported oh, yeah, that? Absolutely. But, you know, hopefully Mark Kelly will support more. Oh, yeah, and then he says that Mark Kelly supports that. Restricting gun regulation and, like, his very milquetoast proposals on his website would lead me to believe. Yes, exactly. they're pretty milquetoast. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, isn't it ironic, like, what you just said, like, the term, like, assault weapon creates war? Yeah. Oh, it's absolutely the most ironic thing. Because <laughs> these people, they want the guns in the event that the government ever comes to take their guns. <laughs> How much will they defend themselves from tyranny? Honestly, remember, like, what... Did you guys just see that? How are you supposed to defend yourself against tyranny? <laughs> he says after, like, he... What's the term? Um, I don't I don't want to like say the wrong word, but where you laugh hysterically. Uh, let's just go. Th- I don't even want to make us watch that again. But he says. People are worried that they're going to come for their guns. And how do you how do you defend against tyranny? Here it is, because these people, they want their guns in the event the government comes to take their guns. All right, so is that what you're trying to stop? This is crazy. And then he says, after some maniacal laughing, how are they supposed to defend themselves from tyranny? That's him. That's not the reporter. And uh, I do have to kind of criticize this uh, reporter a little bit. I don't know. She she kind of eggs him on a little bit, but it's, it's interesting. I mean, um, it makes it a lot more interesting what, what she gets out of him. But um, I don't know if it if it muddies the the validity of the testimony at all. Honestly, remember like what we were talking about how like Americans are so stupid. Like, can we just trick them? You can. You got to remember that there are other people trying to trick them the opposite way at the same time. You got to be their propagandists. That's the problem. How do we do that? Arrest him. I'm sorry. (laughs) Wow. So he suggests arresting people. So, okay, I think he's talking about arresting their propagandists. They've got to outdo the other side's propaganda and to do that, arrest the other side's propagandists. So you mean like independent journalists? You mean like this channel here? I don't like I don't like hearing people, you know, say that I should be arrested. So uh, shout out to Project Veritas Action for getting this. Let me see if there's anything else. I'm just going through the transcript here. 
Interesting. All right, we got a lot of news, so let's keep going. Governor Whitmer says 800,000 Michiganders to lose unemployment benefits if court ruling goes into effect immediately. 800,000. So I'm not sure if she passed some really large executive order that gave nearly a million people unemployment benefits, but wow. So I don't even know how she makes this connection. This this is a quote. I mean, it doesn't even sound related to their striking down her decision. It seems like retaliation. It seems like an ultimatum. Reverse that decision, or I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Uh, Axe the lifeline for 830,000 people. Now, again, I'm not really a big fan of. Well, I don't know. I don't know where I stand on all these welfare programs. I think all in all, the government wastes a very large percent of the money. I think they've basically sold us out to the big pharma companies, the military contractors and stuff like that. And if they if they just did away with all that stuff and kind of rearranged some things, we could probably keep a lot of these social programs and wean off of them. Maybe that's a diplomatic way I can say, say it. Uh, quote, we need this transition period to protect the 830,000 Michigan workers and families who are depending on unemployment benefits to pay their bills and put food on the table and to protect Michiganders everywhere who are counting on their leaders to protect them. So she sneaks this at the end here. She's like, I'm, I'm protecting the people by forcing them all to do something that they probably wouldn't do if I didn't force them, hence why I have to force them to do it. So she's, I, I can't believe she's going to threaten that. She's threatening this to, to coerce people, to force people to go along with her politics. All right, next up, just I saw this clip the other day, and uh, it just adds to something I've seen a lot, which is where they uh, they talk about Trump and a twin, like twin Trumps. There's, there's like dozens and dozens of examples of twin Trump references, and uh, here's another one re from recent, I think from a couple days ago, and... What was the other thing? There's one other thing in this clip that I wanted to comment on. It'll remind me if, if we play it. It's killed 210,000 Americans. The same illness that sent him to Walter Reed Medical Center for three days. For three days. For three days. Welcome. Three days. That was the other thing I wanted to mention. Where have I heard three days before? Where have I heard that somebody was resurrected after the third day? I think that's Jesus, right? Didn't Christ rise on the third day, according to this article? Jesus Christ, three days between his death and resurrection. So are they encoding a little bit of Jesus into this storyline? And why? All right, let's play the, the twin clip here. Your favorite comedian, Jimmy Fallon. To the Tonight Show! 
Let's get to the news and jokes. Well, guys, after spending four days in the hospital last night, President Trump arrived back at the White House, and it was quite a scene. Take a look. Walking out the doors of Walter Reed, boarding Marine One for his flight back to the White House, where he marched up the brother the whole time to a room full of people. Trump pulled off that mask like he was revealing that he'd been his twin brother the whole time. <laughs> you fools, it was me, Ronald. <laughs> the entire time. Trump pulled off that Yep, here's that one. Mask like he was here's another example of uh, the twin symbology, but there's there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. And it makes me wonder about Trump. It really does. It really does. Oh, and that's the other one. Um, we're going to get to this in a second. I hope I hope I can remember to show this. Um, yeah, I will. I think it's queued up. Let's just keep going. We're going to keep punching through here. Uh, Democrat presidential candidate Joe Biden doesn't want to debate with Trump. He says we shouldn't have a debate as long as the president tests positive for COVID. So why? Why, Joe? Are you afraid of catching COVID? Are you in some some group that might fall dead? Do we want a president who's going to just fall dead if he catches COVID and can't take it? Can't can't take the heat, Joe? I mean, I hear some people speculating he doesn't want to lose his sense of smell. We know he's a, quite a sniffer. So he says we shouldn't have a debate as long as the president tests positive for coronavirus. Why doesn't he say we shouldn't have an in-person debate? Like, that's what I, I really don't understand. Um, why they can't just do more things virtually. Although maybe I'm playing into their hand. You know, a lot of times they set up scenarios where we can, where we're driven to certain conclusions. And maybe they just want me to accept that everything's going to be on screens now, like Big Brother in 1984. But things kind of already are, right? Like even though they meet in person on a stage, we're watching on our television. But I guess watching on our television or on our computer, and they're both on their computers, I mean, that would take it to, like, the next level of weird virtual reality, I guess. All right, moving on. Uh, speaking of Joe Biden, okay, this is this is great. We got a lot of good stuff to talk about. So this is um, when he ran for president in 1988. I didn't even really remember that he ran for president in 1988. And that that's a really interesting presidential run actually for me because I've been doing a lot of in my opinion in my opinion interesting research into a lot of this like weird predictive programming with Trump and there's this connection with Donnie Darko and I'm going to show that in a second here and uh, in that movie it takes place in 1988 and so regularly on the television in their household you see clips of the the debate but we'll, we'll cover that in a second here. This is uh, really interesting, though, of what happened that caused Joe Biden to drop out of the race. He basically plagiarized this guy's speech multiple times. Um, it's, it's kind of funny, too, watching him get caught. And I mean, maybe that was part of the script at the time, too. I really am starting to wonder. Who knows? Let's watch this, though. Presidential candidate Joseph Biden today faces a controversy. Three weeks ago at a debate at the Iowa State Fair, he used phrases identical to those delivered by British Labor Party leader Neil Kinnock. Biden seemed to be claiming Kinnock's vision and life as his own. Why is it that my wife is sitting out there in the audience, is the first in her family 
to ever go to college. Why is Gladys the first woman in her family in a thousand generations to be able to get the university? My ancestors who worked in the coal mines in northeast Pennsylvania and come up after 12 hours and play football. Eight hours underground and then come up and play football. It's because they didn't have a platform upon which to stand. There was no platform upon which they could stand. The notion that every thought or notion or idea you'd have to go back and find and attribute to someone, I think is, quite frankly, uh, ludicrous. The problem here is that Senator Biden told his audience he'd just been thinking about these things and he failed to give any credit at all to his famous British speechwriter. You know, I was thinking on the way over here. <laughs> now that's a little too much because, as you point out, what's behind the words? What's there? And a lot of people, the rap on Biden has always been that it's just a surface. I should have said, to paraphrase Neil Kinnock, it's the only time I didn't in all the times I've ever used it. But CBS News found a tape of a second instance. It reappeared in the New York Times with a new charge, that Biden had appropriated a famous litany from the late Robert Kennedy about what the gross national product cannot measure. It cannot measure the health of our children. The health of our children. The quality of our education. The quality of their education. The joy of their play. Or the joy of their play. Biden gave Kennedy no credit. He has also quoted or paraphrased John Kennedy, Hubert Humphrey, and British Labor Party leader Neil Kinnock, all without credit. Joseph Biden admitted today that he committed plagiarism when he was in law school. He said it was a mistake, but that it was unintentional. He quoted five pages of someone else's work without proper citation. I've done some dumb things, and I'll do dumb things again. He was given an F. So ladies and gentlemen, I've been dumb. To the political community in Washington, it all seems of a piece. Plagiarism at law school, plagiarism on the stump. The great communicator. Strike that. The great imitator. You don't steal verbatim, uh, or when you do, as he did 99% of the time, you give credit. Biden's critics say he sells himself as a man whose words and visions can inspire a new generation in politics. I, I think this is so funny. Um, <laughs> that one line here, and we'll watch a little bit more of this, but he's like, I should have told, I should have said it was his. It's the one time I didn't do it. Dumb things. I'll do dumb things again. That's another great line, but let's find... Let's find this slide. It's just a surface. I should have said, to paraphrase Neil Kinnock, it's the only time I didn't, in all the times I've ever used it. But CBS News found a tape of a second instance. It reappeared in the New York Times with a new charge, that Biden had appropriated a famous litany from the late Robert Kennedy about what the gross national product... So let's see if there's any other. Clips of a. Uh, creepy Joe from another era of president. Voters are going to have to decide whether he was dishonest or dumb. Senator Joseph Biden may have more explaining to do. The new questions stem from taped remarks of, of Biden States. during an April campaign appearance in New Hampshire. I went to law school on a full academic scholarship, the only one in my, in my class uh, to have a full academic scholarship. Went back to law school and in fact ended up in the top half of my class. I was the outstanding student in the political science department at the end of my year. I graduated with three degrees from undergraduate school and 165 credits, only needed 123 credits. Biden now concedes he did not graduate in the top half of his law school class. <laughs> not even in the top half. Um...
That's funny. I, I don't like hearing people just brag about their own accomplishments, but um, especially when they're lying. That's crazy. So remember, that's 1988 presidential election. Now, what does that mean? Well, uh, 88 is also an interesting number. Let me put it in a different way. Can anybody in the chat tell me why I'm going to say 88 is an interesting number for us right now? As I pull it up, I just want to see if anyone, if anyone is with me on why 88 is an important number. There's two, there's two things I want to mention. Yep. Oh yeah. BB truth and Ryan Toombs got it. That's Trump's number. Uh, if you look at the letters in the alphabet, there's a, there's an order to the alphabet, right? That's how we can look things up in a book. There's an alphabetic order or in a, like a reference book, like a dictionary or a thesaurus or encyclopedia. It's alphabetical, right? So T is the 20th letter, R is the 18th, U 21st, M 13th, P 16th, summing to 88 for Trump. Now there's one other thing that's interesting about uh, the number 88 and Dab's kind of hints at it. Infinity uh, should have stood, says time. Yep, time is um, kind of what I was going to get to here. There's four circles that make up the 88, 360 degrees in a circle. So in four circles, you have 1,440 degrees, which happens to be the number of minutes in a day. So it does kind of symbolize time and the number of minutes in a day. So let's turn now to Donnie Darko, which shows the election or yeah, the election we were just talking about with Joe Biden. But at this point, it is, um, let me see if I have my notes up still. Yep. At this point, I guess Biden's out and it's George H.W. Bush versus Michael Dukakis. And Michael Dukakis is on the screen right there. And, uh, Let's watch, and I want to show a couple things from this movie. Remember, Donnie Darko, and they make a number of hints in this movie. They're talking about Trump. So why Darko? Why did, Why would it be like the dark Trump? I know, I might be stretching. Let's watch. But I want to be a president of the United States who makes sure that we never again do business with a drug-running Panamanian dictator, that we never again funnel aid to the countries who convicted drug dealers. Values begin at the top. So here is Trump, or excuse me, yeah, here's uh, Dukakis talking about Trump, I should say, recently. Money laundering. I remember covering your campaign in 1988. You always insisted on running a, a pretty clean campaign, a strategy some say may have cost you the race. So what do you make of the campaigns being run right now by the Republicans, candidates specifically like Donald Trump and Ted Cruz? Well, it's a food fight. I mean, uh, if these guys are running for the presidency, you can't prove it to me. Um, I don't hear anything about the real issues that face this country. Um, um, each of them has his own uh, particular approach to things. But um, if, if they're serious candidates for the presidency, you can't prove it by me. You're the son of Greek immigrants. So what do you think of Donald Trump's comments on immigration, on at least temporarily banning Muslims from entering the United States, building a wall along the U.S.-Mexican border and having Mexico pay for it? I think he's nuts. Look, he's the grandson of German immigrants. And he ought to be ashamed of himself. Donnie Darko. All right, so now we get some clips from Donnie Darko. I put the full link in the chat to this. Uh, here is what you see on 
his medicine bottle here. 88, 88, Donald, Donald 88, Dark, Darko, win pharmacy. You're going to get tired of winning, right? We're going to win so much. So, <laughs> this is a pretty funny uh, clip from Trump. I don't, I don't think it's related. I just want to share this. He beats off to the. Sorry, that's Donnie Darko clip. Okay, let's watch this. In the days after the first debate, you sent out a series of tweets from 3 a.m. to 5 a.m., including one that told people to check out a sex tape. Is that the discipline of good No, it wasn't se- check out a sex tape. It you- was just take a look at the person that she built up to be this wonderful uh, Girl Scout who was no Girl Scout. Hey. So I thought that was pretty funny. Now, there's one other thing. Yeah, right here. Um, let me back up to right here. So this is from this is from the movie Donnie Darko and I want to th- think about this in context of that other clip I showed the other day which I'm going to try to queue up here real quick. Um and that is uh Donald Trump saying now it's going to be good to be the prince. Okay, so let's think about Trump being the prince because we know Donnie Darko is about well, we, I, I have a strong feeling Donnie Darko is about Donald Trump. So let's watch a little bit of this. And the prince was led to a world of strange and beautiful magic. Wow. So strange and beautiful. So the prince was led to the, a world. Let me go back. And the prince was led into a world of strange and beautiful magic. So again, mega, maga means magic. If you, I mean, <laughs> there's other ways to interpret it, I guess, but I think that that's what they're encoding there. Actually, the feminine version of a, like a sorcerer. Um, magus, it's the, the feminine version of magus. Here's another reference. You see Donnie Darko coming out of the door. I don't know if they changed, if they zoomed in or anything in the production of this compilation video here. But you can see Donald on the left, and then it says over here, to be president. They elected Bradley president. So that might be a stretch, but... You can see as as this person notes on the screen, they think it means Donnie Donnie Darko to be president. Also, when the... um, when the bunny, the weird bunny dude, reads out those numbers, 17 days, 4 hours. If you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. If you add up the numbers it reads out, it gets 88, that key number, which is used in the movie at a couple of times. Here is Donnie Darko actually wearing a Triumph t-shirt. And the word Triumph shares the same uh, derivative as Trump. You know, to Trump means to triumph. Wants me to go talk to her, you know, because the last time I saw him, he asked me if I knew about time travel, and she wrote a book about it, so they can't be like a coincidence, right? I believe you were searching for the answers in all the wrong places. You're right, actually. I am pretty, I'm, I'm pretty troubled and I'm, I'm pretty confused, but I, and I'm afraid, really, really afraid, really afraid, but I, I, I think you're the fucking Antichrist. I think you're the effing Antichrist. So there's that word antichrist, which 
I don't know exactly what it means because it it definitely has some definitely has some uh, deep you know it's it's a loaded word to say the least and it could mean all sorts of different things to different people so um let's let's watch a little bit more here's a clip of, of Trump True. I mean, I don't think that proves anything. But okay, now this is interesting right here. Um, this surreal mo- scene in the movie where like they're in this empty movie theater, um, and he sees Frank the Bunny here. Now note, you have the light over the head between the two ears. Now, what's interesting about this is when when Trump was born. If you look at the sky, there is the su- in the sun's relation to the the stars. And the constellations, this somewhat matches what the stars and the sun look like when he was born. It's a little bit of a stretch, but you can see here on this clock, assuming this is right, I that's a big assumption, but you put in 1946, which is his birth year, June the 14th, and I think even the time of day, I'm not sure where this is located, this might be a stretch, but on the day of Donald Trump's birthday was a blood moon and the sun stood between the horns of Taurus the bull. Taurus the bull, the sun stood between the horns. Um, let me see, there's one other thing I wanted to show. I don't think I have time to pull up. I'll, I'll show you guys real quick. I, I really like this channel, Angel White. And I'm going to do, you can do a search on here. Um... I think it's called Gemini. No, American Gemini. And Trump was a Gemini, if you look at the time of year he was born, which is twins, right? So that's why I think we see all these twin references. Oh, here's that clip I was looking for, where he says, it's going to be good to be the prince. And uh, they have a couple different interpret. Well, we've come up with a couple different interpretations. That could mean... The prince, like Machiavellian term, or it could mean prince of the air, right? <laughs> Think it would work. And so the pupper and the prince exchanged identities. Well, I'm off to find my new happiness. Now for the final test. Get this dirt bag out into the swamps and shoot him. Oh, wait a minute, Carl, I'm the prince. You know, I think I'm going to like being the prince. I think there are two Donald Trumps. There's the public All right, so I think that's what I wanted to show. Uh, <laughs> I know we're like off on a tangent now. Oh, there was one other thing I wanted to show. Okay, I remember now. I pet goat two. <laughs> remember, I pet goat two with the Roman numeral with the Roman numerals for two, at least that's how I interpret it, and which is also the sign for Gemini. If you So I just wanted to show one thing that I think might be a reference to where the sun was with the stars when, when Trump was uh, born. Is it right here? No. I think right here. You see that? The flaming heart right between the... And I, some people told me what this thing was called the last time we covered this. Uh, I can't remember. Staff of Anubis or something. 
Let me look it up. Staff. I could, I think I'm just making something up at this point. Um, all right, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Back to the news. So, terrifying stuff going on in Australia. Grim warning. Uh, says Daily Mail's article here. Australians face two years of social distancing. Two years that they're going to make people follow these rules. And probably masking, too. They say in this article, no overseas trips until everyone is vaccinated from COVID-19. So they're going to collectively punish everybody. They're going to take it even further than uh, you have to get a vaccine to travel. You have to get a vaccine to travel and so does everybody else. Is that what they're saying? Um, this is insanity. They're, they're going to turn people against each other with, with policies like this. Collective punishment is evil. Because if you just look at the, the social psychology, the group psychology of people turning on uh, the, the dissenters and then the dissenters getting it from all angles. Overseas travel will be limited until there is a COVID vaccine. Wow. Next up, we are looking at the UK, where they also have tyrannical government. Uh, they say second national lockdown now inevitable, quote unquote. As Matt Hancock warns, changes are coming. Uh, coronavirus experts say a national lockdown is now inevitable as health secretary Hancock admitted changes to local measures were coming. This was yesterday or today, even maybe, uh, this was from today. They have this group called Sage, which advises the government on the pandemic which isn't Sage like a really wise person. Shows you how dumb I am, right? I don't even know. Yeah, profo profoundly wise man, especially one who features in ancient history or legends. So they're legends. They're self-proclaimed expert wise legends. I mean, it just makes me so mad. It's the same thing they do with this scientist's narrative. Like... Somehow they pretend that, oh, there are actually people out there that know everything. Wouldn't you like to be one of them? You just need to spend more money at university, and then you'll know everything. It's such a joke. It's such a joke. They're telling us scientists know everything? I mean, just the word scientist kind of implies that you think you know. That you, I mean, it's kind of a know-it-all label. To put it on to put on yourself because the word scientist comes from uh, the the word to know in Latin and maybe they're just seeking to know which is one thing but if they're saying they know everything that's a whole different claim like I I seek out the truth but I I admit that I <laughs> I'm uh, struggling to find any. 
Okay, so this guy from Sage, the Sage from Sage says, we need to take much more stringent measures, not just in the north of England. We need to do it countrywide and bring the epidemic back under control. Now, a lot of people speculate this talk about uh, the viral epidemic is kind of a coded way for them to discuss and practice uh, information control in the same way that they're controlling the virus. And stopping the spread of information is similar to stopping the spread of a virus. Uh, World Health Organization, as part of rolling out this COVID um, storyline, has also told us that there's an infodemic of people who dare go against them, right? There's an infodemic of dangerous ideas and incorrect, uh, incorrect information. So the UK is actually trying to use this to push a program that they had uh, already started pushing along called UK or called online harms legislation. So online harms legislation is going to seek to be the the supreme regulator of the entire internet and get to say, oh nope, uh, Google, Facebook, everybody else, you have to take down this idea. You have to take down these criticisms. You oh hate isn't allowed. You're not allowed to intimidate people, so on and so forth. They can twist everything. They can say, oh, well, uh, you're not telling people to mask up and get the vaccine, so you're harming people. Let's see if there's anything else in this article. Hancock says, quote, I'll update the House in due course on which action the government is taking so we can have more consistent approaches to level to levels of local action, working with our colleagues in local government. Now, this is a huge problem. Hancock apparently just gets to write the law. He says, I'll update the House on what action the government is taking. I'm assuming he means like the House of Parliament. So why does he, I mean, he just gets to unilaterally write ridiculous things into law like no houses can mix. No, uh, what did he say? The rule of six. He, he's, I think, done curfews even. It's like, this is not acceptable. This is like Hitler-level um, totalitarianism under the guise of a scientific dictatorship. <laughs> they don't even hide it. They're like, oh, yeah, we're going with scientific dictatorship now. Shut up. If you speak out, we'll delete you and call you an idiot. Oh, gee, thanks, establishment. Okay, speaking of uh, people getting censored for little to nothing other than having a big reach, Anomaly, uh, one of the top 10 people on Facebook, according to some statistics, uh, like up there with huge outlets that have like teams just like scheduling posts just throughout the day. Um, he's just like a one-man one man band. Speaking of that, I mean, he makes music too. So I, I really, uh, I like his work. I'm glad I found him. He's on YouTube. You should make sure you subscribe. And if you're on Facebook, uh, check him out as well. He says, Facebook isn't just fact-checking me. They are claiming I've, I said things I never said, then fact-checking a CDC article I posted without, excuse me, claiming the CDC never said what I never said they said. <laughs> WTF. I, that's, that's a great sentence. Let me say that one more time because I messed it up. They are claiming I said things I never said, then fact-checking a CDC article I posted claiming the CDC never said what I never said they said. That Now they're threatening to unpublish him. And he says, quote, this can't be legal. 
So just insanity. Somebody posted this. I, I wanted to show this real quick. John Stossel, who's done some good reports too. Um, he had a report that I that really stuck with me. I watched probably a year ago where he talked about how everyone breaks laws all the time and people don't even really know. Like calling in, he had this example, calling in sick to work is actually a form of wire fraud. So anyone who's ever called in sick to work and actually, well, if you're not sick, that is, but calling in to work and being like, uh, I need to take a sick day and you're not actually sick. <laughs> I mean, no one's actually going to like charge you with that, but it's funny because it's like, we need to simplify. It's not funny, but it's a good example of why we need to simplify the code and um, I don't know, maybe some people would argue that calling in sick when you're not sick is a um, is a is a fraud. I always say that if the if the company wants to fire someone, they can fire them and they should be able to skip as much as they want as long as the company needs them and keeps them on, pays them. You know, it's voluntary uh, free association. So John Stossel says a Facebook fact checker put a libelous fact check on my recent video with uh, Mike Schellenberger about wildfires. I appealed, but guess what? The appeal goes to the same fact checker who smeared me to begin with. So that's what Anomaly was saying. Um, he said that he tried to bring this up with Facebook, who all the time he was building an audience over there was telling him, hey, we'll answer your questions. We'll be open. Let's build a partnership. Get people on here and get them onto the subscribe part of the site. And uh, then they just pulled the plug on him and stopped answering his questions. And he's like, why did you demonetize me? And they said, because you you failed the fact check too many times. And he said, which fact check? I, I've made a video on, on all of these stupid ones that you accused me of. And uh, he wanted to argue them because he has a good case why they're bunk. And they tell him to bring it up with the fact check company who has no interest in helping him out. It's it's sad to see. Okay, so uh, here's the next story. This is a tweet by Fox 35 Orlando. Apparently, pot, uh, apparently Petco has stopped selling shock collars because they say the um, devices increase fear, anxiety, and stress. I'm sure they do. They say electricity has no role for the average pet parent training their dog. Well, that's good news, right? Think of the dogs who are going to be a little bit happier, hopefully, although who knows what the owner is going to do as an alternative to that. Um, hopefully, nothing. But uh, yeah, it also makes me think about like, uh, uh, are they going to stop all the cruel and inhumane uh, testing we do on animals? Are we going to stop doing the cruel and unusual testing on humans with the vaccines, say? I hope so. Next up, I thought this was a good a good take and an interesting thing I hadn't seen. Uh, fascinating. New York Teachers Against Vaccine Mandates for Educators is lobbying the United Federation of Teachers to prevent teachers from being used as lab rats by Big Pharma. Would be better if these teachers also fought for the students. That's a tweet from uh, Utopian, Toby Rogers, PhD on Twitter. And uh, let's check this out. There's a petition going around that 4,800 people 
have signed, and it just says, New York teachers against vaccine mandates for educators. Let's see what it says here. In Albany, New York, lawmakers have suddenly gotten very interested in mandating more vaccines, not only for children, but also adults. Reliable sources in Albany said laws requiring vaccine mandates for educators could be proposed in January of 2020. They're like, the vaccine status of teachers has never caused any problem to children in the history of our state. It's like, yeah, you guys are selfish a-holes. Fight for the children. Fight for the children. I mean, come on. If you're going to say it's it's not good to inject it into you, I mean, the obvious elephant in the room is like, well, what about the children who are like a third your size? All right, next up, uh, this is an interesting article. I saw Tim Pool covering this one. Uh, I'm going to withhold any criticism of Tim Pool at this moment. <laughs> Not really the point of the show, which is already going to be a long one. So let's just cover this article he brought up. Um, it's from American Greatness, Silicon Valley, and Team Biden collude to root. Uh, I'm not going to read the full title because it's a claim that I don't necessarily want to make. But they're basically, this, this article is making the case that big tech is on the side of the Democrats. So in this case, they want Biden to beat Trump. And I think that that is um, something we've seen a lot of evidence for. For example, we saw uh, that leak come out, Project Veritas, hidden camera uh, journalism, got this woman executive at Google who was um, an executive on this project for machine learning fairness, which they say is so that they, I mean, it's, I'm just going to say what it is. I'm not going to go over what they say it is. Basically, it allows their team to regiment what the computer spits out. So they claim they have the best machine learning in the world, and yet they have, they, yet they, when you search 9-11 on YouTube, you're going to find like CNN and stuff. So that's machine learning fairness. They say they're taking the bias out of the data. <laughs> and uh, we're just too stupid. They're, they're the all-knowing smart people that get to dictate reality. And the sad thing is the children grow up on only seeing one one side of the story. But I want to show something they brought up here just to put this on everybody's radar. So Twitter has a policy announced this month that will ban, quote, misleading claims that cause confusion about the established laws, regulations, procedures, and methods of a civic process or about the actions of officials or entities executing those civic processes. So they're already starting to pass all of this uh, fake news legislation. And it's not really legislation, right? It's, it's uh, policy, terms of service, for huge corporations which dictate the flow of information. So it's kind of legislation. It has as much impact on us as legislation, kind of. Although a lot of times legislation will affect affect all the major companies, which will in turn affect all of us. So that aside, 
Twitter is starting to add fake news rules. We know uh, Facebook already slaps a lot of people with fake news uh, censorship. And we know that Google, or uh, yeah, Google will censor a lot of search results. But I was going to say YouTube. YouTube also deletes a lot of stuff. And a lot of this is happening under the guise of uh, taking down misinformation relating to COVID that's causing harm. And now it's being done under the guise of stopping election meddling. But every time they add a new one of these, um, when they come up with a new excuse for the tech companies to add more terms of services, those are going to stay with us. And it's, it's, it's a Soviet tactic, really. I, I, it probably was well before then. But if you look at um, Soviet anti... Uh, what's it called? Uh, fake news laws. They called it anti... They called it uh, Soviet... What do they call it? Anti-Soviet agitation or something. Oh, I can't find it right now. But it, it's pretty common tactic say that, oh, you're, you're misleading people with fake, you know, with, with false information, which is damaging to our democracy. This is a big threat to our democracy. So we also know that they are deleting tons of tweets and they're even deleting Trump's tweets sometimes and slapping big warnings on a, on a lot of his tweets as well. So there's a lot of these groups, like here's one example, Accountable Tech. Which are trying to pressure the major tech companies uh, to to take political stances. And we're seeing that uh, a lot when they talk about the far right and, and how they need to clean the internet of the far right it's like you're you're describing a political stance that people have and you're telling you're saying that people should be banned for their political stance eh, pretty much <laughs> it's crazy and then everything's just going to get lumped into this term far right or hate speech or fake news i can see where this is going we're going to get internet regulators the uk wants to be governmental regulator i think canada probably wants to be a, a um a regulator I'm sure New Zealand and Australia do, although I don't know if they can pull it off. USA is supposed to be about free speech, so I don't know if they can, but I'm sure they want to get their hands on that too. All under the guise of stopping harm, stopping tort. So I'm trying to find this. It's a long article. I'm trying to find a a paragraph in particular. So it mentions how Google isn't auto-completing searches because they think that it'll lead people to misleading content. All right, so let's keep going here. So uh, here's a clip from, or a a tweet from Ivanka Trump, who says, Everyone six months of age and older should get a flu shot every season, with rare exceptions. 
Now more as ever, now more than ever, it is critical to take care of ourselves and one another. So Ivanka is saying everyone should get a flu shot every year once they hit the age of six months. Uh, give me one second. I'll be right back. Sorry about that. Okay, um, next up, this is a mail-in ballot story. Over 2,000 LA County voters received faulty ballots with no way to vote for the president. So they just got ballots in this one locality, and they didn't even know, there wasn't even a spot on there to vote for the president. They were calling these faulty ballots. Over 2,000 people received these faulty ballots. 2,100 is the estimate, according to LA Times. And it seemed to be based on locality. Uh, here's a quote from a, an affected person. I've always been an in-person voter, so I wasn't even planning on looking at the ballot until the day I was going to vote. Uh, then she compared her ballot to uh, some other people, and they were missing the section to vote for the president as well. So she... She also said that her neighbors on Nextdoor all have the same problem. Nextdoor, I guess, is a communal social media site for people who live together exclusively, or near each other, I should say. So, the massive error, according to this Breitbart article, follows the executive order Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, issued in May, requiring the state to send all registered voters absentee ballots ahead of the November 3rd election. He used the China coronavirus, <laughs> their, their phrase, not mine, um, as the primary reason to send ballots to roughly 21 million people in the Golden State. So these are those like unsolicited ballots, I guess. Any registered voter gets sent a ballot, which is interesting. Okay, now I'm kind of seeing some some connections in my mind, right? Do you guys remember how much they were pushing for people to register as voters and make sure they have the right address. They've been pushing this so hard. All the social media companies were pushing it. And now I wonder, okay, now I see why they did it because they're going to do unsolicited ballots sent out to everybody. Now, usually you're not going to have everybody register or even all the people who register go vote. And if you're like me, you don't know how registration works and you you end up going and getting turned away. You get turned away because you didn't register after you waited a long line. And that's the only time, that's my one experience with voting. Made me mad. <laughs> and it's embarrassing too. You get to the front of the line and you have, to, you can't, everyone's like waiting and see, watching everything. <laughs> everyone's like got it except for you. And you're like, oh, and you have to like walk and turn away and do a walk of shame. All right, so that's the story in California. Already huge issues being seen. I wonder what other ones will pop up. So here's uh, some action from Ohio. They posted Some people posted a video online of themselves stealing a bunch of Trump signs, and I guess they put their license plate in the video by mistake. Um, 
and then they de- deleted their Twitter page. Whoops. And it also, I guess what I wanted to comment on is like, isn't it something that we see more on the left, this need to censor and take down and steal people's signs? And I don't know. It's like, because I, I remember being on the left when I was uh, younger, my college years, uh, I was still a liberal. Um, What's my point? And I, I would, I, that's like, I, I can sympathize with these people. Like I remember being a, uh, censorous a-hole <laughs> um and i just wonder why is it that the why is it that the individualists and the republicans seem more adult and act more mature and why can't why can't the left uh come to the table and have sensible conversations i always say like why is it that the socialists are the least social people and how would that even work if all these socialists get get together and like we're to try to run a country it would not work like i'm just trying to picture it um really what they want is everyone else to work or <laughs> i don't know if that's the right way to say it they really just want like to be given things and they feel entitled to them and i i guess a lot of it i mean it sucks the way it's set up and how little most people have don't get me wrong and i, I don't think that's that's just, but to like prop up a huge government to steal from people and redistribute the wealth and not look at the what's happened time and time again and actually carry the political football for these same people that you you think you're you're fighting. And I could be wrong. I I, I just uh I I no longer see the sensibility in the uh, Democrat Party. All right, so uh, this is a funny story about. Harris insisting on there being plexiglass barriers. So the Democrats are freaking out about COVID. Even though Pence gets tested like every day and keeps testing negative, allegedly, they're still like wanting to create this illusion that they're all like really, they basically want to like insinuate that he's just dirty and these Republicans are dirty and they don't, they don't mask up when they go around. It It's crazy. Um, they're just teaching people to like be so inhumane and to just, you know, disregard, you know, the human, uh, the humanness of us, of everything, you know? So what, what's funny though, is they've decided that the committee has, has decided the commission on presidential debates that Harris and the moderator can have the plexiglass barriers and Pence doesn't have to be barricaded by one, but the others can, I think. Let's let's confirm here. So originally they opposed the plexiglass push. We have this is a quote uh, from a Pence aide. We have inquired as to the medical or scientific need for a plexiglass barrier when two times the CDC distance guidance has been implemented. But most importantly, the vice president is looking forward to having a conversation about the marked shift that Joe Biden wants to take this country. Okay, so getting into the politics of what they're going to talk about there, but 
<laughs> oh man, the physical barriers are crazy. Like all the walls they're putting up. Like the liberals are supposed to be about open borders, but they all put walls around their children. They're like, let's put the, the let's put them in a a bulletproof COVID wall, so nothing bad will ever happen to them. It's like you're putting them into like small cages. You're evil, and you're putting them into muzzles. They like can't even take deep breaths, and you're confining them into little cages inside of little slightly larger cages that are called schoolrooms. And they all have to sit in rows and columns and listen to some idiot teacher at the front of the room who thinks they know everything because they watch uh, CNN every night. All right, let's get to the uh, the punchline here. A member of the commission said the decision came on Tuesday evening, adding that there will be now two curved plexiglass barriers between Pence and Harris, one close to the vice president and one close to the California senator. Oh, wow. So they're going to have two up there. I misspoke earlier. Um, Here's another part of the article. They say that the commission member uh, says that Pence agreed, quote, if Harris feels safer having it up on her side, they will leave it up on his side. Okay. I thought Pence was going to be, I thought they were going to have this visual of Pence without a barrier, the moderator with the barrier, Harris with the barrier, you know, just to play visually into this whole narrative they're pushing and divide they're pushing. Um, kind of like the, do you guys remember the, let me see if I can pull it up, the Lindsey Graham uh, debate with a barrier. Let me see if I can find this. Oh, look at this. Lindsey Graham challenger raises one and a half million after setting up plexiglass barrier at debate. So apparently that that stunt pulled off or worked for him. Here's an image of that. For the people watching or listening as a podcast, you have (laughs) this guy here with this um, clear panel between him and Graham, who I I don't like Graham at all, but this is just theatrics. I mean, either that or this guy doesn't, I mean, I don't know. I feel like at some point we need to man up and just, if we get sick, we stay at home and we get better. And I mean, that's what we always did. (laughs) We always had it. So everyone lived their lives. And if you got sick, you stayed at home and you prevent it from spreading. Now it's just like, okay, everyone just stays at home and we just don't do anything. What? So is this guy like saying he's going to die if he catches COVID or something? Or that somehow, I guess maybe he's, he'll kill some people and this, it'll spread on and on and on. I don't know. I'm tired of this. And it's only getting worse, isn't it? Like I thought it would, I thought it would taper down. I thought it was, I thought it would wind down, fade away. Nope. This thing's building. Okay, uh, this is breaking news. France has made homeschooling illegal starting in 2021. So just insanity coming out of Macron's France. Uh, France moves to ban homeschooling in 2021. Macron announced announced on Friday morning that he intends to outlaw homeschooling for more, excuse me, for all children except those who have a health condition. 
that would justify staying away from school. Why? He also intends, well, we know why, don't we? For mind control. He says, we also intend to step up control on private, in- private independent schools that receive no public funds by inspecting their curricula, by more severely implementing a recent law that requires such schools to teach a common core defined by a high authority for education. Man, it's funny. I'm starting to really just be able to deconstruct this stuff. I mean, it's basically just authoritarianism where they, where I mean, they just teach everyone to obey authority. Don't obey authority, people. <laughs> Don't obey authority. I can't believe that this works on people. Like, do people not have a critical mind? Do people not have a dissenting... I guess a lot of people don't have a dissenting view of the world, but people just bow down to authority, don't they? It's just like a magic word. They're like, oh, that guy has the authority? All right, here's the next thing. Uh, Boris Johnson uh, says that Parliament lays out vision of post-COVID UK. I'm not sure if I'm reading that right. He says, well, we'll get into the story here. But a lot of people are pointing out that Biden copied this phrase from Boris, build back better. (laughs) Biden, Boris, build back better. A lot of Bs, right? Um, But I think it really traces back further. I think it traces back to the World Economic Forum. And we're going to show that in one second. But uh, first, let's read this article. Then we'll watch a clip of them both uh, saying the exact same lines. People are saying that Biden is plagiarizing from Boris, and we covered that earlier (laughs) compilation of uh, Biden's plagiarizations uh, in 1988 for his uh, presidential bid. But, uh, all right, let's look at this article. Wow, Boris Johnson says he wants to build a new Jerusalem with opportunity for all, improved housing and health care. He says, even in the darkest moments, we can see the bright future ahead and we can see how to rebuild it and we will build it together. Wow, from all this uh, rhetoric, it sure sounds like he's in on this Phoenix event. The PM um, says that the fight is going well. He insists it would be overcome by collective effort. Look at that. The only way to fight this pandemic is with collective effort. So get in line, all you sticks. We're, we're going to form a Roman fascist. We're stronger together. Don't get out of line. So he also makes a bunch of claims about what's going to happen, how it's going to be better. Johnson says the pandemic forced the government into massively expanding the role of the state. Oh, it forced us. It's it blame the virus. Don't blame us for doing it. We had a little too much to drink. 
I'm just looking for key thoughts or key uh, points in this BBC article here about it. All right, nope. All right, here's a clip of the two, the two Bs talking about BBB. Owe it to future generations to build back better. We have a great opportunity to build back and build back better. To do things differently, to build back better and to build back bolder. And folks, it's not sufficient to build back. We have to build back better. That's what my plan is, to build back better. It's bold. <laughs> so that's um, Boris Johnson and Joe Biden. All right, so just all you have to do is search. All you have to do is search uh, Build Back Better World Economic Forum. You'll see a number of examples. This one from July, this one from April, this one from July, this one from July, this one from July, this one from uh, July, this one from September of 2020, I should add. All of these 2020. Uh, this one from August. This one from August. So I don't know if they stole it from someone, but uh, let me just read a couple of these headlines from the World Economic Forum. Uh, I almost said the World Economic Forum. Um, the World Economic Forum. To build back better, we must reinvent capitalism. Here's how. So we must reinvent capitalism? What? Next, we have how to build back better after COVID-19. Building back better, an action plan for the media, entertainment, and culture industry. Okay, we've got to we've got to look at this. Although it had something there about licensing and republishing. Oh, cool. It says I can republish it. Creating a stronger media ecosystem to be trusted and transparent. <laughs> Right. Uh, increasing value and reducing waste. Encourage media pluralism. Deliver value for the creative community globally. Put the consumer at the center. So what are they talking about here? Why, why is the government telling the media what to do? Let's look at the executive summary before we move on. The purpose of this report is to identify and drive forward practical actions for advertisers, publishers, agencies, and platforms to improve the media ecosystem in this phase of building back better post-COVID-19. Let's look at what they said there. That was kind of sneaky. Um, drive forward practical actions. Drive forward practical actions. Note they also, they're also talking about advertisers, which are people who make and, and distribute ads. Um which is one huge way in which we're propagandized, by the way, people. These corporations have a ton of money, and a lot of times they drive the propaganda, not just not just marketing stuff, not just to sell their products or to brand their company, but like social engineering stuff. And they can write it off their taxes, too. Advertising is a tax uh, deductible. They don't have to pay uh, income on money that they spend on advertisements. 
So they're talking about the adpocalypse here on Twitter and Facebook. I'm sure there's some stuff in here. I don't have time to go through it live. Uh, next article, can the tools of finance build back better? Want to build back better? Let innovators come to you. How can the oil and gas sector help in the drive to build back better? How can businesses build back better? Key quotes from leaders. COVID-19 proved companies have a consequent or have a conscience. Yeah, companies have a conscience proves COVID-19. Right, right. The Great Reset podcast on building back business. So that's another phrase that they use a lot, uh, Great Reset, which also kind of harkens back to the, the Phoenix, you know, the Phoenix event. Great Reset World Economic Forum concept, as you can see here. Now is the time for a great reset of capitalism. So they have these two terms that they're using a lot right now. Great reset and build back better. We need to, we need to look into what they're, what they're pushing under these labels. Um, oh, yeah, this is ridiculous. You guys are going to think this is funny. I sure do. This is um, Bloom. What's his name? Blumenthal? Uh, no, not Bloom. I can't remember his name right now. I'll look it up. But uh, this is the mayor of New York doing a ridiculous dance. I mean, it's not a dance, but it's it's like a, a theatrical performance of him putting on his mask before he goes into the building. Totally non nonsense. De Blasio. His name is de Blasio. He holds the mask up like it's the Lion King. And then you have the music playing. Jeez. Talk about state propaganda. Dun, dun. You look foolish. You look foolish. Did you wash your hands? He probably did. All right, next up we have Trump showing no no symptoms of coronavirus, according to the physician. So he is symptom-free. Now, one thing that I heard people bring up, which I don't know if we have in my notes here, um, Trump used a fetal cell treatment. Let's check this out. Antibody cocktail given to Trump is controversial. Experimental antibody cocktail Trump was given has generated a row. This is according to the print. Partly because it uses embryonic stem cell research that has stirred the U.S. president's voter base in past. So Trump Trump shot up baby cells. I'm just kidding. Um, but kind of, right? He, he used embryonic cells... And um, the exploitation of them, the scientific exploitation of embryonic stem cells uh, as a treatment for his COVID. Okay, uh, here is Cuomo invoking 9-11 early on in the uh, the process. This is from a video I made. Uh, is COVID-19 the catalyzing event to replace uh, September 2001? And... Uh, Remember, that was kind of like a 20-year plan. It's still going, but it's been the last 20 years of our lives, this war on terror, this massive 
United States uh, military action in the Middle East. But listen to how uh, Cuomo compares this with 9-11 and what he says about build back better after what we just talked about. 9-11. New York took a terrible beating. This nation took a terrible beating. We learned from it. We grew. We're better. 9-11 transformed the country. If I told you before 9-11 you were going to take off your shoes when you went to an airport before you could get on an airplane and they were going to go through every bag and every, you would say, I'm never doing that. 9-11 said there's a different world. Look at all the security measures we now have post 9-11 that we would have never envisioned. We went through Hurricane Sandy. We didn't build back what was. You build back better than before. You take that moment, you learn that lesson, and you improve society. We have to do that here. And we have to do it affirmatively. It doesn't just happen. You build back better than before. And I really wish I had put a date on here. Now I'm kicking myself. Because I'm wanting to see, like, where did, where did, who got this uh, build back better phrase first? I'm guessing the World Economic Forum, but Cuomo just used it there. And I, th- I think that was kind of earlier on in the whole, the whole thing. Okay, I'm sure some of you have seen this. This is a very sad scene here where somebody um, chastises a family for not sitting so apart from each other. It's just so ridiculous. And uh, the people move their chairs in in an act of defiance, a small act of defiance, and then they just get immediately reprimanded. And I'm not sure how this footage even exists. How does this footage exist? I mean, it looks like a surveillance camera in the building. But why did they release it? Like, were they trying to shame these people that were sitting close? Is that how this footage got out? Anyone rash, anyone with half a heart who looks at this is like, just let them sit next to each other. It's, it's preposterous. It's to have been asked to conduct our service today to celebrate the life of Alan Wright. I therefore offer you all a very warm welcome as we unite in love and friendship to infuriating, infuriating. So here's Trump. A lot of people like this. Uh, he said, wear your mask in the beauty parlor, Nancy, in response to her saying Trump's behavior was a brazen invitation for coronavirus infection, <laughs> which is a good um, a good response, I guess, except for. I mean, I get I get why people bring up the Nancy footage, because it shows that she doesn't take it seriously. She's just pretending that she's concerned about this. And she herself could be called a super spreader by the same logic that they're using against Trump or anybody, any one of us. But it'd be nice to see the president take the lead and not face shame people. Um, you know what I mean? Like, we should be working to, to get people's faces unmuzzled, in my opinion. And uh, the, tr- the the Trumpster... <laughs> I was going to say the president, but I said the first. The, uh, Trump is 
is not doing a great job in that regard. Uh, somebody shared this uh, post or this uh, quote on Twitter, and I thought it was really good. I wanted to share this. Uh, this is from John Hay, 1872. The evils of tyranny are rarely seen, but by him who resists it. So you only see the evils of tyranny if you resist the tyranny. And I think that's that's super true. Like they want to create an illusion of freedom, an illusion of freedom of speech, an illusion of freedom of assembly, or an illusion of uh, freedom of religion. But if you actually try to use those freedoms in a way that would help people and help yourself and uh, expose the tyrants, then you're going to see how the world really works. So um, I think that that's, that's interesting. That's interesting because they don't want people to see how tyrannical it all is because they just want people to go along with the flow. All right. Uh, next up, this was pretty funny. Um, some people did a, a stealthy mission where they put up a Trump sign, a la the Hollywood sign, on the side of the highway. And somehow, California acted very quickly and promptly and had it taken right down. It's like, it's so ridiculous. If it said, it's, I heard, I, I'm stealing this thought from someone else. I can't remember who said it. But if it had said Black Lives Matter, it would have been kept up. Uh, and just the fact that they prioritized this to take it down. It's just, uh, it's very interesting. V- very interesting. Okay, we're almost done, but this is a very interesting story. There's a mask burning, or this was a couple hours ago. This is from last night. Uh, There was a mask burning in Borough Park, Brooklyn. Check this out. So shout out to those fine Jewish people. Next up. Oh, and for the people watching the podcast, we just watched, uh, it must be hundreds or maybe even thousands of masks being burnt on the street. Um, people just throwing their masks in a big pile. Um, you know, really a, a liberation movement akin to the, the bra burning, whenever that was. Even actually probably a bigger freedom gesture to burn the face coverings. All right, next up, let's see. Uh, okay, this is our final story. Just Joe Biden <laughs> um, saying some some things that just make people go, what's your point, Joe? Um, I wish we had a clip of it. Oh, read the full story. Let's go to the full story. All right, here we go. This site, man, Washington Examiner's making me pay. All right, here we go. Oh, no, we're not watching the full hour and a half. We'll find the clip. We'll find the clip.
All right, I'll just read the quote because someone wrote it here. The reason I was able to stay home during the pandemic is because some black woman was able to stack the grocery, I think he meant stock the grocery shelf. So he brings race into it. He also suggests that he should be allowed to stay, that he's like somehow higher up in the order. So he gets to stay home and then the other people get to go out and risk it, but he's thankful and that's how he gets it done. And I mean, I, he, he kind of brings up some truth in the fact that people like him have been exploiting the poor for, for a long time. And I just don't know. I don't know beyond that, like why he would say it though. Like we need to open up and we need to get freedom. We need to get prosperity. We need to get people jobs. We need to uh, face this problem head on instead of cowering in the corner. What kind of, what kind of expectation, what kind of a role does, or or what kind of a example, there's the word, what kind of example does this set for the children, for the next generations to see all the adults cowering in the corner and, uh, masking and them having to be forced to wear masks everywhere they go. It's ridiculous. I hate it. And I'm going to keep, uh, talking out against it. And I appreciate everybody, uh, tuning in today to the new show for October 7th. Um, we had a lot to go through there, so make sure you rewatch it if you're just tuning in and I hope everybody has a great day. Thanks everyone for being here and, uh, we'll talk again soon. Take care.